Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall. The place hits it at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Always wearing red and being loud. Welcome back. Welcome back, you beautiful SOBs. This is Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10, and we have been for quite some time. Where you been? I'm Sully. I'm your host. I do this every week, and it is a pure joy to have you join me on this particular week. We're recording on Wednesday night, February 1st, for the week that was in Dayton Flyers basketball, and a not-so-rapid reaction to the Tuesday night tilt that went down at UD Arena the game that was, and oh my goodness, what a game it was. Uh, Flyers, since we last met, and again, we do this every week, so welcome in again. Since we last met, uh, we had the pregame show at Tim's last Saturday before the Flyers took on Richmond. And uh, before we get to the Loyola game, Drew will join me on the other side of the break for the last two segments to get to Loyola game, and then we'll preview a little bit of Bonna coming up on Saturday night, but we haven't been with you since the pregame show that we did on Saturday afternoon before the Flyers took the court against Richmond. And I would be remiss, Flyer fans, if I got straight into the carnage that was Tuesday night and the Loyola Ramblers pushing the Flyers to the brink in overtime if I did not mention the game on Saturday uh, where the Flyers took a 26-point win and they shoved it right through the mouths of the Richmond Spiders who looked purely hapless in that game. Four Flyers scored in double figures. Kobe Brea leading the way with six, or sorry, 18 of those points, six of seven from three-point range. The Flyers shot 60% from two-point range, 52% from three-point range, and they out-rebounded Richmond 33-26 in route to an absolute thrashing, also assisted on 25 of 34 made buckets. It was just a clinic of basketball on Saturday, which made some fans think that we were headed in the right direction. And maybe this season's turning around, but oh, no, 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 baby birds. You're right back to where you were the week before after Dayton gets taken to overtime by the worst team in the conference. I could say that again. Dayton gets taken to overtime by the worst team in the conference on Tuesday night. But back to Saturday quickly. Um, great day in the Gem City. We did the pregame show at Tim's. If you've never joined us for one of those, we usually do them like you know, three, four times a year. Um, God willing, I'll try to keep doing that on ESPN Radio and the podcast feed. And shout out to you if you're listening on ESPN Radio. Big shout out. We appreciate that audience as well. Um, 
did the, the pregame show at Tim's and headed over to the arena. And uh, I had some friends when I got back to Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon ask me, oh, how was the game? And my first response was, it was pretty darn boring. Um, it was just start to finish a really boring game mainly because the Flyers throttled the Spiders from start to finish. And in other games this year, you've obviously had to be uh, a little bit reserved in your optimism with how well the Dayton Flyers were going to hold a lead. Uh, but they did just that through uh, all 40 minutes. I do not believe Dayton ever trailed in the game at any point. Um, it wasn't really that Richmond played poorly. It's just out of the gate, Dayton took it to him and they never let off. It was 43 to 23 at the half, up 20. And uh, and then it, it just got worse from there. I think Dayton's biggest lead was 35. It was definitely over 30. And uh 26-point win was what you came up with in their second highest scoring scoring game of the year after that Alcorn State thrashing that Dayton dished out in December. Um, you know, it, the game on Saturday, it truly was that way. If you didn't watch it, if you had better things to do, I gosh darn, I don't blame you. Um, you really didn't miss much. And it, you know, I hate to say that about a game Dayton played so well, but it, it truly was just not an entertaining basketball game. Um, as far as a TV product, you know, being Flyers fans, it's always better to have a 26 point win than being taken to overtime by the worst team in the league, for example. Um, but, you know, a couple of dunks here, a couple of three pointers there. Some sweaters stood up from time to time. Beers were had, hands were shook, and uh, eventually they headed for the gates at the under eight media timeout. Just never in question. Malachi Smith. Uh, came back in a big way, two points, but 13 assists stuffed the score sheet um, on Saturday. And, and Richmond just simply didn't have an answer for it. Buckets were uh, just plentiful down low. Dayton sp uh, spread the game out quite nicely, I thought. Um, during the beginning of the game, they kind of started out uh, a little slow, missing a, a lot of shots, and they were playing up tempo. And then all of a sudden, those shots start to go down. You look up, and uh, Dayton's up by 20, and it's halftime. And, and that's kind of the game it was. The second half was more of the same. And I, I guess I could go as far as to say that's refreshing, uh, given the brand of basketball that was to come that we just witnessed on Tuesday night with the worst team in the conference taking Dayton to overtime. So we will shift our focus there because your mind is probably on that. You might have already forgotten that Dayton beat Richmond by 26 on Saturday because of the putrid stench that was coming off of the win that they capped off on Tuesday evening in UD Arena. And it was, it was stinky, people. It was extra stinky with some moldy cheese. The Flyers have loyal Ramblers come to town Tuesday night. They, in the first half, I can't even say they played poorly, but as I mentioned many times now in the first six minutes of the broadcast, they get taken to overtime by the worst team in the league. Loyola coming in 7-13, and 1-7 and seven in conference before this one, and they walk out the losers still with one win in nine tries in A-10 play. And uh, the story of the game was really a three-point shooting, um, long and short of it. 
Quick history lesson for all of you young flyers out there in case you don't read the Dayton Daily News because our pal David Jablonski over there did a nice little write-up on this. But uh, first meeting between the two programs... Sorry, it's something in my throat. It's, it's not that easy doing a podcast slash radio show, okay? It's not. So I had to clear my throat. There you go. You get a pause. Uh, in case you, you're a younger fan, you might not know, again, or haven't read the DDN. Uh, David Jablonski put out a little profile of the matchup between Dayton and Loyola. And while these two programs have not played in almost 30 years, it would have been 30 years had they held off on this series till the end of February. They had played many, many times before that. In fact, they played almost every single season from 1961 until 1993, the year that Dayton was to join the Atlantic 10 Conference, um, went from independent to the Great Midwest League. If you know anything about that, they were in it for a short cup of coffee and then jumped over to the Atlantic 10 in 1994, where we currently reside. Um, but the Flyers own the series. Uh, overall, they have absolutely dominated this series with Loyola Chicago. Last night, their 34th win in the series. They have taken 13 losses over the 47 matchups. Good enough for a winning percentage of 72%. Um, you know, going into this game, just contextually, uh, I think... Well, I don't think. I know that the Atlantic 10 and schedulers out there were bullish on Loyola joining the conference. And I know that they were bullish because they gave Dayton and Loyola's both of their matchups a prime time. I'm called nine o'clock prime time. They gave it a national TV slot and then they will have a prime time audience the next time they suit up. Ugh. They're going to have a national audience the next time they suit up. I just had to think about that. It was coming out of my mouth. But see where I'm going with this point, obviously. The schedulers in the A-10 conference were so bullish on Day Loyola joining the A-10, playing Dayton, having two brands, if you will, play each other, that they got a CBS Sports slot uh, last night, recording on Wednesday. And then they will be on ESPN2. Uh on Friday night, the next time they take each other on February 17th. And so you can see in the background, there was some fervor for this transition into the Atlantic 10. And I'm sorry, everybody gets to point out when I'm wrong. So I'm going to come on the show and tell you where I was right. And I was dead on balls accurate. And it was that Loyola was going to come in this conference and they were going to stink. And then there's going to be more stench after this stink. And this edition is going to be much, much closer to George Mason than it was to Davidson. Mark my words. You see, you'll see, you absolutely will see. All of you out there absolutely will see with your own eyes that this edition was short-sighted by the A-10 conference and this ain't going to work out in the long haul, and you're already seeing it. Second-year coach Drew Valentine took the leftovers from Porter Mosier's roster to the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, they were 25-8 and eight in a bad Missouri Valley. This year, it's all his now. He's a big boy with his own program. And uh, he's seven and fourteen, one and eight in the conference. They're dead last, and they're plus two seventy five something or other in the net. I'm, I don't know the exact number because it doesn't matter. They're bad. They're really bad. 
they're they're a very bad basketball team that is now completely overmatched as a program in the Atlantic 10. And, and that's what I said was going to happen. But everybody has to take everything I say with a grain of salt. Well, look at it. Look at it. with your own eyes. You see what's going on here. Um, it, you know, it, they just had a terrible season. Their best win to date. I can't figure out how they did this. They beat Clemson and then they have five wins outside of the top 275. And then they were able to beat Bonaventure at home uh, about 10 days ago as of the time of this recording. But um, you know, turn the ball over 24% of the time. They they don't generate steals themselves. They play below average on defense and offense in general. Um, but last night they were lighting it up from from deep, and that again was the story of the game. But again, I'm going to sit here before I move on and tell you, mark my words, this addition to the Atlantic 10 Conference is going to be much closer to George Mason than it was to Davidson. And I think all of you remember exactly how that went. Don't you? You know, George Mason was uh, rarely, they were kind of fresh off uh, success under Jim Laranega. Okay, and I'll walk you through this history lesson here. So Jim Laranega got George Mason rolling as a program in the late 90s, and he took them to five NCAA tournaments. And of course, you remember the final four appearance in 2006. So then Jim Laranega goes to Miami at the end of 2011, and he leaves a tournament roster to Paul Hewitt, who does not get in. Two years later, the A-10 comes calling, and now George Mason has never finished in the top four. They are going on 10 seasons in the Atlantic 10. They haven't made an A-10 semifinal. Again, haven't made a top four finish in the conference, and they have had now their third coach since joining the A-10, Kim English, and the program is headed nowhere fast. Um, Loyola, you can see it. They, they follow that same blueprint. You know, Porter Mosier took them to two tournaments in four years. Then the A-10 came calling because they were relevant and everybody wants to expand. Everybody wants the money. And now first year without Porter Mosier, without his guys, um, they're struggling. So I will put my neck out there and say that this addition to the conference at the end of the day, when all the dust settles is not going to be a net positive uh, for the Atlantic 10 conference and in relation your Dayton Flyers. Uh, before Drew jumps on in the second segment after the quick break here, and if you're listening again on the radio, thank you for joining. Um, there's a lot to discuss from last night, but not the least of which I'll lay out before uh, we kind of get to some other opinions here on the show, is that I am now convinced without a shadow of a doubt. And again, my opinion and speaking about the basketball in the court only, I have to do this quite often and saying this is only my opinion, and I'm only speaking about the basketball that happens on the court. I do not trust that Anthony Grant has his teams prepared for end-of-game situations from here on out. With eight seconds left on the clock, Dayton up by three points, and to send uh, to send Loyola to the line for a one-and-one, one, Dayton runs it out on defense, lets the clock run down, and then allows Loyola to put up a shot. 
that goes in off the bank on a hot shooting night already. They were shooting 50-some percent from three-point land. It goes in, and we go to overtime. Thankfully, this story doesn't have to be as big as it would have been had the Flyers lost, but still a gaffe by the coaching staff, and the quote that they delivered afterwards was even worse. We'll get to that quote on the other side of the break. You're listening to your boy, Sully, on the other side. I'll have Drew. We'll recap the Loyola game again on Tuesday night, and then we'll get to a quick Bana preview. You're listening to the A-10's number one podcast. It's talking out loud, and you can only find it on our podcast feed at 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. Welcome back in. This is Talking Out Loud. I'm your host, Sully. And now I'm actually joined with Drew. And Drew is often my co-host on these types of programs. Tonight is absolutely no different. And the reason that we need to get Drew together with us and talking to you, our fans, is because there's a lot to discuss after last night. Drew, I, I don't think I'm telling you anything by saying there's just a lot to discuss. Uh, yes, that is certainly the case. There is many things to discuss from the basketball game that transpired last night. <laughs> We're recording on February the 1st, Wednesday night. Not such a rapid reaction. And if you're listening on 1410 ESPN Radio, we welcome you in. If you're on the podcast feed, we also welcome you in as loyal listeners. Again, not so rapid reaction. Dayton's a winner in overtime after being taken to overtime by the worst team in the conference, Loyola. I think I've said that about five times since the program started, but it bears repeating. Where we left off on the last segment, before we get Drew in to opine on his thoughts from the game, there are many, many opinions about what transpired towards the end, but here it is. Um, the quote from Anthony Grant after the game, and again, this was after the eight-second segment where Dayton refused to foul, the shot went up, Loyola made it, we had to go to overtime, and again, I, I think we can all be adults here. This would be a much bigger talking point if Dayton had lost the game, but they didn't. So we get to just talk about it for funsies, and it's not a big deal. But here's what Anthony Grant had to say after the game. Grant said the team hasn't had enough time to practice fouling in end-of-game situations, and that's why the players didn't take it upon themselves to foul and present prevent sorry Loyola from trying a three Grant's quote was we'll have a chance to maybe learn some stuff from watching the film and talk about what we could do Grant said and hopefully at some point we'll be able to handle some of those situations in practice to get us better prepared lot to unpack there. <sighs> True. There is a lot to unpack there. There is a lot. Do you want to start to unpack it or should I? Uh, you go ahead and you <laughs> unpack the quote a little bit and then I'll kind of run through the last eight second sequence and what I would like to see. 
in that yeah, situation. Yeah, and here's the thing, Flyer fans, whether you're on the radio, podcast feed, whatever, it, it doesn't matter at this point. What we're seeing here is a coach blaming the players for what went down. Drew, before I go on, do you see it that way or do you digest it another way? So I can complete. I can completely understand how you could read it that way. I think what he's trying to say is in those situations, players do need to be to understand what's in front of them and the situation that they're in. Now, coaching has a lot to do with those players knowing when they're in those situations. So I don't think he's necessarily throwing the players under the bus, but he's also not taking a whole lot of accountability for having them prepared for that moment. So it's kind of a, you know, two wrongs and they don't make a right. Either way, it needs to be fixed in one way or another. The players need to understand where the, like where you're at in the game situationally and what to do, or Grant needs to do a better job of delivering the message of when they are in those situations. And I said it in the first segment, the, the one thing that bothers me the most about last night is that I walk away from the game against Loyola with a steadfast belief that Anthony Grant is just not going to have his teams prepared for end-of-game situations. I mean, that's just how I feel walking away. As a person that has opinions about the program and you know has to digest them on a weekly basis and, and turn it back out to you, the listeners, right? That's how I feel. That's my opinion. I Moving forward, there will not be games where I say, yes, I trust our coach to have that done. And whether you're in a relationship, whether you're not, whether you have trust issues, whether there's people in your life that you trust or do not trust. I think we can all agree here as adults that trust is a hard thing to come by. As fans, we put trust in the coach, in the players, and I'm just not willing to blame the players for what went down last night. With eight seconds left to go, with the clock winding down, with a chance to put the other team on the line for a one-on-one, you absolutely have to foul. And well, okay, so let's let's hold on. I don't like. Sorry it. to cut you off, but unpack it. Go so ahead. here's where we're at. Mally foul. Mally does the take foul. Yeah, with eight seconds foul to, left. With eight seconds to go, when you see that take foul, that should click in everyone's mind that we are fouling them to send them to the line. That's correct. Because that, if you're I think not, that's everybody felt. Yep. If you're not, then why are you t- playing the take foul? If you just want to play straight up and just play defense, then just play defense. Then why take the take foul if you're not planning to take another foul to send him to the line? That is what I don't understand. That is what is on. I blame on the coach. That is not having your team prepared. Are we fouling if we're up three late? Are we not? Because you know what? As long as you are steadfast in what you want to do, because this truly is one of those questions where the right answer is kind of like subjective because you can get bit either way. And some nights your decision could be right. And some nights your decision could be wrong, but you need to, to set the standard of what you want to do in these situations. And the numbers in the analytics tell you to foul. And I, and I agree with that. And I, that's what I wanted to see when we took, when we, when Mally made committed the first foul, I literally said out loud to myself, to no one else in my living room, oh, okay, so we're going to foul. We're going to put him on the line here. Yeah, we're going to put him on the line. And then we didn't. And you know what? The the shame of it all 
is that the defense we played on the last possession was pretty was good. dang good. The guy good. missed the shot. The guy missed the target of where he wanted to go by like three feet. It just happened to hit off the window and go in the basket. Like yep. that's the shame of it all. We wouldn't be ha- we wouldn't even be having this conversation if well yeah we would but yeah, that's we, would. The point. we would yeah, we, we would be would. having this guy but it wouldn't have involved any overtime. We would have got to bed twenty minutes earlier instead of when we did. So. That's where I want. And again, I'm team foul. So if you're going to do that, you need to do it. And you need to know what you're going to do before the game. You need to talk. That needs to be like a shoot around topic. Like, all right, if we get into this situation, we're going to do this. Yeah, we're up I don't three with under seven seconds to go. We're going to foul or we're not going to. I don't know. Like, we need to know those things. I don't I don't know, Drew. Um, I don't know about that. And, and thanks for for joining us. If you're on the radio, ESPN 1410 and Dayton. Um, Drew, I, I don't know about that. And, and here's what I mean is that you say, okay, you practice it before the game. The thing about you don't the even grant, need to practice it, you don't yeah. even have to practice it. You just need to establish what you want to do. No. And it, it's deeper than that. And I think this is exactly the point that I like to get to with people when we're, we're talking online is that Grant said tonight, will have a chance to maybe learn some stuff. That That's ridiculous. We are at February 1st, okay? This lineup has been together for two years, all right? The better part of two years. I think we can all agree on that besides Mongolian Mike. And he said, at some point, hopefully, we'll be able to handle those situations better to be prepared. And you said, well, let's make sure this is what we want to establish in shoot around. It isn't in shoot around. It isn't in pregame. It isn't in the preparation, the game watch. It is spur of the moment. Here's the situation. We have to trust our 50 something year old coach who has paid a million and a half dollars to guide us as to what is the smartest approach to win this game. That is the bottom line. And that's why I don't go online and I don't beat up the players. I don't blame the players. I I really, I can't even think of of an instance in the last year and a half here where I've really placed blame on the players. In these situations, especially last night, you place the blame on the coaching staff because – You can practice this stuff all you want, but you know the example, Drew. When you are staring down the barrel of the bullet, what are you going to do? And that has always been the complaint of Anthony Grant is that, okay, you you got your systems, you got your NBA systems, your concepts, you want to put them in place preseason, but when there's five minutes left, and you're in the biggest conference game that you're facing all year, and you have to win to go to the NCAA tournament to decide your whole season or whatever it may be. That obviously wasn't last night. But again, when you're faced with these important situations, when you're staring down the barrel of the bullet, what are you going to do? And it's become very obvious that it, it is almost impossible to trust Grant in these situations because like we said earlier in the season, it's virtually a coin flip 
that Dayton is going to win some of these games when it gets, you know, in the last two minutes. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. You, you can't game plan for everything and that's going to happen in a game. And being able to adjust on the fly is what separates uh, a great coach from a good coach and a good coach yeah. from an average coach. Well, and, it's what separates uh, Dave Paulson at George Mason to Jay Wright at Villanova, right? I mean, that's extreme, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it separates an average coach from a coach right. that is winning 27 games a year and going deep in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, for sure. And these guys with, you know, when you're playing with college kids, these guys make way more of a difference than, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff does with the Cavaliers on a January, you know, a January night. And Topical. you need to put you you need to put players in the correct position. And you're right. Anthony Grant hasn't shown us anything to to give us confidence when we get into these situations. You know, it's trust. Or, yeah. It's trust, someone put out right? the like. Somebody put out some metrics for crunch time, which was five points or less with five minutes or less. And Dayton was bot bottom of the A-10 dead last. And, you know, people can kick and scream all they like, but, you know, numbers are numbers and facts are facts. And we've seen it a couple times already. You know, it, it, we ended up winning last night, but that was one we could have let slip away. VCU, we let slip away. And you know, these games are going to be more and more important if you want to, you know, contend to win the league. Well, not even contend to win the league. I mean, this is the thing we've been talking about, belaboring the point. This is the thing we've been talking about for years and years with Grant, five out of six years, is that if you want to get to the NCAA tournament at Dayton, okay, at Dayton specifically, these are the games you have to win. And and we did win. We did win. Okay. Like just back up. But these are the games that separate us from not getting into the tournament, right? Like the Lipscomb's yeah. Austin Peace from last year. Remember in 2019, um, there was the Mississippi State game, the Rhode Island game, and then um, it last year, right? There's a little LaSalle game this year. There, there's more games to point to. Let's say UNLV. Let's say BYU. Let's say not even get it, getting blown out at NC State. I mean, unfortunately, at Dayton, the reality is there's only going to be about six to eight games that decide your season, and then the rest of the games you're kind of going to be expected to win, right? And and yep. it sounds really stupid to have this conversation after a game that we won, but you don't get into these situations against bad teams and then consistently and come out ahead, right? And and I think right. it's a longer point to say if we're getting into this situation with the bottom of the league, the literal the bottom of the league, Loyola, this is what Fordham used to be. And and I was quick to remind people on Twitter, this would basically be like taking Fordham of old to overtime. You know, Loyola being at the bottom of the league. Um it's just concerning because we we talk about how do we move forward with Grant? How do we defend Grant and how can he be the leader of the program moving forward? And then you see end of game situations like this and you say, 
what are we thinking? Right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as the staunchest defender of his, as I've been the past, the past couple of years, starting Fairly. to get pretty hard. I'm, I'm just to be honest with you, starting yeah. to get pretty tough, man. And last night was, or last night was a, a really tough one to, to watch. And, you know, again, we won the game and ultimately that's what matters, but yeah, it's, it, it's not great. And hopefully we can turn it around and get, get better in these situations. But like you said, I've, just don't have a lot of faith in that right now. Yeah, hopefully we can turn it around. Is this like the uh, fourth time in the season that Dayton has turned it around? <laughs> or you feel like we've turned well, it we've around? Well, we've kind of like... Remember us on Saturday like, night? We're like, we turned like it around. Swerved. Like we swerved and we just kind of keep swerving in and out of consciousness here. I feel like that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, but the one thing I will say is not to take anything from the way Loyola played last night because they shot... 52% from three, which I believe was 19% better than their season average. They shot 49.2% from the field and 83% from the line. So they came out and they made shots and they were ready to play. And their best game of the we, year, I, I would yeah, say, aside from Clemson. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, a, they didn't roll over and they gave, we took their best shot. And, you know, you're going to have nights like this. And like, just look again, I've said it before, but just look around college basketball. Uh, Florida beat Tennessee tonight. It's the 10th time a top two team has lost this season. Yep. No one's going to go out and win every night. And there's going to be nights when you, you get caught. And luckily for Dayton, that night wasn't last night. But it just goes to show that you can't just come into a game and expect to roll over anybody. You got to show up and play and it's not that Dayton didn't really do that. They didn't play well in the, the beginning of the second half, but uh, but Loyola was just game, and they were ready to go, and they shot the lights out, and you withstood the punch. And and again, ultimately, you win, you win the game. That's all that matters. It's a W on the schedule, and you move on. You got a big stretch coming up here with some of the upper echelon of the league where, as we, I think you tweeted it out, that Dayton's going to play to their competition so hopefully they they get ready to play when they play these big dogs in the coming weeks. That's precisely right. And we will go to the break with those exact thoughts. Come on back. We're going to bring it all home. Bonnet preview. And we will wrap up Dayton being a winner in overtime against Loyola Chicago. Final score. I mean, you know, by now we're like 24 hours past. If you're listening on Thursday, we're way past 85, 81. Dayton's a winner against Loyola. Bring it all the way home right here on 1410 ESPN Radio and the podcast feed talking out L-O-W-D. It's Sully Andrew. Come on back. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And talking out loud, Sully and Drew bringing you all the way home after the Flyers improved to 15 and 8, 7 and 3 on the Atlantic 10 season. Good enough for third place, VCU and St. Louis, uh, right above us. But I will tell all Flyer fans right here on ESPN Radio 1410 and the podcast feed talking out L O W D that the Dayton Flyers still control their own destiny. They go to VCU. They win that game. If they are to win both games at St. Louis, they will be your A-10 regular season champions, which I think you know as an educated fan means absolutely diddly. Drew, before we get into this third segment and finish it up, what does an A-10 regular season championship mean to you? Uh, To me, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot for me personally diddly? but would it be diddly it, it would be probably diddly adjacent i would say um Close but to diddly. what i will say about that is that that is something that the players get to relish in way more than a fan that's an accomplishment that, that players that players can really galvanize behind like you know what we played an entire season together and we came out on top of the league so I don't think that's necessarily something for fans to write home about all that much. But as a player, I think it's definitely an achievement that if I were on the squad, like I would be pushing and striving to want to achieve. Spot on, Drew. Spot on you are. And, and, and I think that is where the disconnect sometimes lies between where we are as fans and then like how fans want to connect with the team. And I say that because... You know, we get a lot of pushback online of, you know, why are you being so critical of the team? And, you know, why, why are you being so harsh about this, that, or the other thing? It's like, well, the team is always going to be optimistic about their chances going into the A-10 tournament, um, you know, going to win it all. And, hey, you know, we're, we're the best team in the conference. I mean, they're always going to be optimistic, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you had something to add. No. Oh, I thought you were gonna. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. And you you want your team to convey that kind of you know confidence and where they do feel they're the best team. Yeah, they do where they do feel like they're the best. You want that out of your squad. Yeah, and, and I feel like where we lose it as fans is like people feel like okay, if you're not as optimistic as they are, like you're holding the team down, and it's like okay, well, let me play both of those sides. All right. When you go play a game against VCU, they know it's a big game. When you go play a game against Loyola or, you know, the Fordham of old, guess what? Those teams at Dayton, they know Fordham stinks. They know Loyola stinks. They know they're the bottom of the league. These guys look at the standings like they completely understand. So I think that that was where I wanted to start the segment tonight was if you're a fan saying, okay, well, you know, we need to be optimistic and cheer the boys on and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's perfectly fine. But going into games like 
last night against Loyola, the team is very aware that Loyola absolutely stinks. They just are. And, um, you know, to put a bow on the game from last night going to OT, um, they're, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, of course. And I think we make a, an effort to make sure that there's uh, both sides on the program. But, I mean, Kamara had, I mean, his best game ever in a day uniform, right? Like 31 points, dude, nine rebounds. Uh, Malachi Smith played a great game, 21 points, six of eight from the free throw line, three of four from downtown. He had eight assists. There were plenty of bright spots, but I guess, Drew, the question where we can actually put a bow on this and end with the St. Bonnet preview for the last couple of minutes is why are we at February 1st and still struggling to get the ball to Deron Holmes on a consistent basis? Well, that was that was a game plan thing last night. That that was pretty much clear. Uh, if Deron got the ball, they were sending two, sometimes three guys to get it right out of his hands. And also, yeah, he he was getting like I'm all for letting the boys play down low, but last night was was kind of ridiculous. They the the big guy number ten. I I'm I'm blanking on his name right now, but he well. was how he was hounding him and. You, it may not have been conveyed very well on the on the broadcast, but my my father no, who was, was at the game, uh, yeah, because my dad and brothers who were at the game said like, no, he was he was mugging them down there, and they just weren't calling anything. So that was partially it, and you know, them being so staunch and taking Duran away is what led to Kamara having thirty one very necessary points. Yeah, and I mean that's the way it's going to be throughout the rest of conference play. We're halfway through. Um... Well, more than halfway through now, 10 games in, eight games left. I mean, that's going to be the game plan against Dayton, and and that's what they're going to see moving forward. So uh, with that, turning the page, we have to. It's only a 45-minute program uh, getting to St. Bona on Saturday. I have to sadly report that I had a hotel room booked. I really wanted to go up there now that I moved back to Pittsburgh, and Olean is only a three and a half hour drive about as far uh, almost equally as far of a drive as Dayton that I cannot make the game on Saturday, but I always wanted to get up there to the Riley center. Um, Drew, it's one that scares me. And I'll be honest because Dayton has shown a tendency to kind of play down to their competition at this point of the year. And I think, you know, when you go play the hillbillies up there in Yeti country in the, uh, in Northern New York, what do they call it? Western New York up there. Um, It's a tough game and it's a Saturday night. It's a seven o'clock, eight o'clock Eastern tip. Sorry. uh, At the Riley center. It's a sold out crowd. There will not be a single available seat in the building. And I can tell you as a fan that tried to get tickets to drive up there, it is hard to get tickets through the school. It's hard to get tickets in general. They don't have a ticket master portal. Um, this is some real stuff that's setting us back about 20 years here, people, but it's going to be a raucous crowd at Bonaventure because that's all they got up there. And whether they're 12 and 11 or, you know, oh, and 21, they're going to bring the heat up there. And I think that's what we're going to get. So Drew, let's get into a little bit of the X's and O's, not too much, but what can Flyer fans expect taking on the Bonnies on Saturday night? Well, the thing about it is, is Dayton is pretty much superior to them in almost every single offensive and defensive metric you can find. Just about. Which 
only tells you bad things could happen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're they're riding high off their win at VCU, 61-58 on January 28th. Uh, they were off this week, I believe. I'm not sure if they're playing. Uh, no, they went back to back wins. So they went Saturday at VCU and then they went Wednesday at Richmond. They did the old yes. Richmond right, turnaround. So the, they yeah, won both of those games after after losing to Loyola and Fordham. OK, they turned around yep. and went on the road to beat VCU and Richmond. So if you're sitting there and you're like, well, Bonaventure, that you know, they kind of stink like, you know, 12 and 11. That's not the case. And I think anyone that's followed the league for any amount of time knows that Mark Schmidt is going to have the boys ready and they will be coached well. They're not going to make a ton of mistakes, um, but it, it's it's got to be a game that scares you, especially after that road trip and a Bonnie's team that plays very well at home and not so well on the road. In fact, for Flyer fans out there, this road trip and them winning two games against VCU and Richmond kind of bucked the trend of the rest of the year because up until that point, Bonaventure had only lost one game at home to Florida Gulf Coast, and they had won, I believe, nine of them. So they were 9-1 and one going into that week. They lost to Fordham, turned around, and then won two games on the road against VCU and Richmond. So it's uh, it's a hot Hot Bonaventure team, it is. You know, Dayton's won their last six in Olean. Uh, their last loss coming at Bonaventure on January 11th, 2012, by a score of 81-73. Uh, last loss to Bonaventure period was February 20th, 2016. Well, uh, Drew, give him was- give him the full backup all the way, okay? Because this is good oh, trivia I, time. I- the full history of the Dayton Bonaventure series. It is ugly. I mean, if you want to talk about a team that Dayton has dominated in this conference since they started, St. Bonaventure is the place to start, is it not? Uh, no, it definitely is. 21-2. and two. Uh, As I mentioned, the loss in 2012 and the loss in 2016, the only two times that a St. Bonaventure team has beaten a Dayton team. So this is about as thorough of domination of opposition as Dayton has. Yeah. Yeah, and you look all the way back from the time that the Dayton joined the conference, and it's just been like that, right? Like we talk about all the time how Dayton struggles against certain opponents, um, and you know, for for better or worse, good teams, bad teams, whatever. But since Dayton has joined the conference, nineteen ninety four, they are twenty six and nine against the Bonnies, and they have two losses since 2003 i mean that is just thorough domination and bonaventure's had some good teams in in those eras right like yeah yeah for sure uh and like last year they were many thought they were the they were the preseason trendy pick and they came to the arena and caught a uh, a whooping uh last january they did they did everybody remembers it i was there you were there i was there yeah everybody was there but here's the thing about the season right now, okay? And we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast um, because we have to do this every week. And 
dissect what Dayton's doing. I mean, you as a fan, you get to watch the games, turn it off. Let's turn it back on when they, they have a game four nights later. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, getting through these weeks of the season is is tough because we know that Dayton is playing for those three days in Brooklyn, right? You know it, I know it. Everybody on earth knows that that's exactly what we're doing. And um, I think that's why it's been hard for the fan base to stomach another year like this, because if everybody remembers, and, and this is how we're going to end the show tonight, like if everybody remembers that the four years that Archie was here, and I'm not talking Archie up or talking AG down, it, it's simply the context of how we are watching these games. You know, personally, I remember in 2014 all the way through 2017 when the flyers lost to wichita is that all those months were filled with so much jubilation optimism what seed are we going to get where are the nca tournament venues right like what are the matchups who's on the bubble who could we possibly play and unfortunately what has taken the wind out of the sails of a lot of people in this fan base is that we have not been able to do that over the last three years since the COVID-shortened season of 2020. And so if you're asking yourself out there, why are so many people doubting Grant or doubting the program, or if you're reserved enough from the program where you, you just don't see those granularities that point to Grant's deficiencies or the program underachieving, you have to understand that in the four years that Archie went to the tournament with his Dayton teams in January and February, we were worried about seeding, about locales, about getting the NCAA tournament and, and everything that came after that. And unfortunately, after the 2020 season, we just haven't been able to visualize any of that stuff towards the end of those seasons. So, um, I guess I bring this up at the end of the show, Drew, before we get to final thoughts, because I think that's why so many people are frustrated, right? Because we keep having to have these conversations of, man, what could have been? Or, man, what if we weren't injured? Or, you know, could AG have done better with this team if they weren't injured or they didn't have these setbacks? And unfortunately, the reality of the situation is here we are, 15 and 8, 7 and 3. There's no at-large bid on the horizon. And um, we just kind of have to sit through these last eight games and hope for the best and hope that this Dayton team turns it around and gets the wheels rolling uh, for the A-10 tournament. Yep. And, you know, it is very frustrating, especially for, for someone like me when you know, who got to enjoy the spoils of all those tournament runs while I was in school. And we haven't been back to a tournament since I've left school. And that is... That's tough. That's tough. I, I always want Dayton to make the tournament. I It's what I want for them every single season. However we get there, we get there. But you're right. Those years, we, we got to know we were going to be in the tournament despite how close we came uh, that one year. But you always knew that we were, we were a Sharpie for the tournament come March, and we haven't been there, and it's where I think this program should be. Uh, but, you know, like we said, it's, it's our bed. We made it. We got to lay in it. So you got to go win the A-10 tournament if you want to get us back there. Uh, so I'll just kind of wrap that up into into my final thought is you're you're coming up against 
your peers in the league. Let's let's call it that. Some some of your peers in the league. Maybe not Bonavent. Bonaventure might be a step below you, but you can still get beat. But you're about to play St. Louis for the first time. You're about to see VCU again. And those are two games where if you want to build your confidence and really feel like you can take on anybody when it comes A-10 tournament time, winning those two games is paramount. So let's wrap them up. Let's let's get these next three and start building that forward momentum towards the first week of March when we got to get it done then. Right you are, sir. Over the next 10 days, Dayton goes to Bonaventure, to VCU, comes home for St. Louis on a Friday night sock hop on ESPN2. So over the next three uh, games and 10 calendar days, you will know if the Dayton Flyers have a legitimate shot at winning this A-10 conference regular season, which Drew said it before, is important to those in the locker room, and that's important enough for me. For Drew, I'm Sully. This is Talking Out Loud, the best Dayton podcast on the internet, our podcast feed, or otherwise, and you can find us on the podcast feed, Talking Out Loud, L-O-W-D, or... On 1410 ESPN Radio Dayton. We will see you next week after the VCU game. Rapid reaction right after that one in Richmond. We'll be right back here. Two rules. Wear red. Be loud. See you then.
Thank you. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.